Hi, welcome to That Reminds Me Of, a podcast about film and the films that remind us of that film. You're here with Baron and the Doc. And the Maestro. Do we need another drink? Yes, we do. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Baron. Thanks, Doc. How are you? I'm very well. You doing good? I'm, I'm great. I'm great. It, and, and it's been too long since we've been in this studio. How long, if you had to estimate, do you think it would have been? At least 3,000 years. Snap. <laughs> it feels like at least 3,000 years. I know. And the last time we did it was for Old Boy at mm. the cabin when we were writing, which was before we went to see Miff, the films at Miff. Yeah. And the films that we are here to talk about today, or the one specifically in this episode, is a Miff film or a film we saw at Miff. Since then, it's gone on to be released cinemas and people have had all the opportunity in the world to watch it. I remember how excited we were about Myth in that episode. We're going to go to it. We're going to see 100 (laughs) films. We're going to every day film from on location and do all this stuff, and it never happened. Although I I saw 20 films. Like I I went great. We didn't film any episodes, but um, I don't think you did as well. Were you a bit crook or something? I got so sick right in the middle of Myth, Mm. and it just killed about – Half of my film plans, more than half of them. Should I mention, please? while we haven't filmed an episode together for a long time, mm. it's been even longer since we've been filming an episode with the maestro. I know. It's, it's, it's been 4,000 years of, of, 4, uh, of maestro-less yeah. recording. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got the team back together. The team's back together. We've been to Miff. We've seen a whole bunch of films. And one of those films that you did get to see mm-hmm. and I did get to see because I know we went to see it together Yep, uh, was 3,000 Years of Longing by George Miller. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. And was I excited? This is the one that I looked at the trailers and went, you know what? This could be incredible. Mm. George Miller making this film, this could be great. You know, I don't think it was in my shortlist. Really? I think this is one that you kind of... Uh, forced me into. I think I probably did. Yeah, you're right. I think you did. And mm. from memory, I said we saw it together, but we we arrived at different times and it was right. showing in two different cinemas. Yeah. So we saw it side by side at the same time, but not actually together. And it was packed. Jam-packed. In fact, if there's one thing that's just come back roaring since COVID, was it was MIF. I mean, MIF was insane. Mm. It was so busy. Every screening that I did make it to was Absolutely packed, and they all sold out so quickly. But it was nice, busy too. It wasn't. Oh, sometimes yeah. Miff is overboard busy. Ah, this this was just a nice, gentle, busy. Yep. So there you go. That's three thousand years of longing for cinema at Miff, <laughs> and people were just you know once the opportunity was there, they were they were signing up for it. And there's a few films that I missed out on. The one that devastates me the most. Speaking of Old Boy and Park Chan Wook, the one that we talked about in our last episode that we yes. were so excited about, especially Correct. yourself. Decision to leave. I, first of all, missed it because I didn't book my ticket quickly enough and it sold out instantly. And then a second screening came up because of all the interest. I booked it, got a ticket, and then just fell so dreadfully sick that I couldn't go. So <laughs> that's rubbish. Yeah, that is not making um, good decisions. No, no. But you know what? It'll happen. It's out at cinemas or it will be shortly. No, it's out. It's out. It's out. Okay. It's out. So we're going to see it. I you, think it well, was you at have Pentridge, it. wasn't it, Maestro? Uh, I don't know, but I saw someone talking about it's out. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And I saw it, you know. Mm. So I, I've been bloody dying 
to talk to you about it and I've yep. been sort of so preoccupied with wanting to talk to you about it <sighs> that I've forgotten what the film was about. You've actually forgotten. And <laughs> so I'll, I'll say it again. I will say that is part of the problem with this this not strategy that we have right here where we've taken way too long yeah. to get to this episode is that it does feel like 3,000 years since, see, I'm just going to keep saying 3,000 years. It's going to yeah. happen. No, um, you'll get a laugh at some stage. At some point. If I keep saying it, it'll work. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it does feel one, like, see? Was, see? Great. Yeah. feels like the longest time since we saw these films. And I actually want to see them again, both of them, the ones that we're going to talk about. And tonight, this mm. specific one, 3,000 years, but the next episode as well is another film that I feel like I would like to see again. Look, we may not have exactly the same opinions of this film, mm. just putting it out there. But yep. before we do, what else do we say to set this up? It's got um, Idris Elba, so who I know is you, you uh, got a crush on him, don't you? Yes, but my wife in particular. Has got more of one. Oh, my God. Mm. It's Yeah, we can never meet him. No, that's that must feel awful. Yeah, I would like to meet him, but, you know, my wife. Yeah, no, so. no I understand. <laughs> and Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you a Tilda fan generally? Sometimes I, I think Tilda can be too Tilda. It's exactly how I would have put it. Yeah. Nicely said. Okay, great. And yeah. maybe she is a little too Tilda at times in this film. However, I think she's it's good casting. Yeah, no, she's very Tilda. But, like, Tilda is great. Yeah. It's just you can be too Tilda sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. And sometimes casting her can feel like an obvious choice. Because it's a bizarre, weirdo kind of uh, character that does strange things. Looks looks kind of like a librarian, but acts <laughs> a little loopy. Yeah, acts like a little schoolgirl. Right. Yeah, with an imaginary friend. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, we neither of us do this often, but I was listening to a podcast um, because it's been so long since <laughs> we we saw it. Yeah. Miller interviewed, and he was talking about Idris and Tilda because I know him, saying what great people they are to work with. I know this is what they all say. He compared them to Jack Nicholson on The Shining. Oh, wow. Uh, as actors who want to be not just act, but make sure the film is made properly and be, mm-hmm. you know, not just do their bit and then go back to their trailer, but actually be part of the process, which could be code for be a pain in the neck as well. Right. But he was saying it in a good way as if they were really invested <laughs> in making it work. Okay. <laughs> You've been involved in more films than me. I think you know what no, it really means. Yeah, no, I, I think it's great. I think that's a perfect <laughs> read on it. That does. It's, it's, so for one, you, if you've directed a film <laughs> and you're doing an interview, you have to say nice things about the cast. Mm. So that's just a given. <laughs> but then, yes, how do you frame it? And I think, yeah, like Jack Nicholson from The Shining says a lot. It does it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So and look at me, naive, just, just, you know, lapping it up. But then there's also like... Kubrick from The Shining, which is also intense. So yeah. I, I don't know what he's saying about himself in this situation. Who knows? Another thing we should say about this film is that it's based on a book by A.S. Byatt, um, which is called The Gin in the Nightingale's Eye. Oh, It's either a sh- maybe a short story. I really meant to. That's an interesting title, though, isn't it? I meant to read it before this episode. Jeez, that would have been very literary of me. That would have been. That would have been on point. Mm. And in character for you, but you didn't do it. No, definitely. Also, yeah. Well, also know, one but... point in character for, at the moment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, it's based on a book. George Miller loved it, the book. Yep. It sort of was one of those stories that stuck with him forever. And then he eventually made it and then called it 
3,000 Years of Longing, mm. when he has actually done another film, a doco, called 40,000 Years of Dreaming. Interesting. Isn't that an interesting little tidbit? tidbit. He likes the formula of, mm. of title. I don't know. It's, um, it's very specific. There's a bunch of choices in this film that aren't blockbuster making mm. choices. And that title is maybe the first of them. And then there's everything that follows the whole way through the film. It's filled with interesting choices that make the film a pleasure, I think. However, you know, maybe don't set it up for box office success. Yeah. Well, I love the I love that go where Hollywood doesn't expect you to go. Right. Attitude. Yeah. And the the title is just one. Why not have fun with titles? And that's that's doing that. That's right? doing that. So it's so evocative. Yeah. Well, have, he's having fun with titles twice in exactly the same way. So I'm not sure <laughs> how how fun that is. But but still, in its own right, that's a great title. I didn't know about that doco. Well, I haven't seen it, but um. Well, let's talk George Miller for a second. Please. Everybody knows George Miller for Matt, the Mad Max films. Mm, That's you're the making obvious. assumptions. Really? You didn't? I have never seen a Mad Max film. Wow. And I started to- Not even Fury Road? Well, I have, that's not how I, how I roll. That's not how you roll. Yeah. No. So I, I started watching the original one, got 15 minutes through, just thought I cannot sit through another minute of this, put it aside. What? This okay. was in prep for this. Yep. For this. Yep. And and then because it's been so long, I, I thought <laughs> I'll try it again. And I did another 15 minutes or so. Yeah. And actually started to get into it. Right. But then, you know. But then gave I, up I had, still. Well, I know I had to go and do something else, you know, wash <laughs> oh, the dishes no, or something. no, not that sad story. Yeah. yeah. So, but now I'm actually excited to go back to it mm. in order to get to Fury Road because I, I now realize that I haven't been part of the universe that's that's loved, loved yeah. it so much. Yeah. So, I, you know, I've seen Mad Max 1, 2, 3 and Fury Road, but the only one of those older Mad Max films that mm. I've re-watched is the original Mad Max and I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty great. Mm. Um, however, it feels it feels dated. It's a, it's a film from the 80s and Fury Road is wonderful and mm. stands up. I, I re-watched that recently. It still stands up beautifully. It's from 2015, I think it was. It's a great film. So good. Furiosa is being made at this moment, <clears throat> I believe. Mm. That's an exciting character. Charlize Theron plays that character in Fury Road. So it's going to be, um, and probably she's the character that stands out the most in that film, even though you could say it's a Tom Hardy flick. Mm. Aside from that, he's done this really interesting spectrum of films. There's Witches of Eastwick, Lorenzo's Oil, Happy Feet 1 and 2, Babe, Pig in the Babe. City. Yeah. It's it's an it's an interesting covers ground, selection of he? films. Yeah, he spoke to that sort of thing about his eclectic behaviors with what he makes, and like with with this film, for example, up you know wedged up between Mad Max, Fury Road, and Furiosa. Yeah, he called it I think a palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten what was the palate cleanser, but you know, That's going great. from one sort of vibe to another. Yep, and you can sort of. That makes sense to me. Do you need a palate cleanser, Sal? <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's all right, man. <laughs> hey, fever. Cool. Let it out. Yeah, it was winter the last time we recorded. It was. <laughs> spring has now come. It's spring. It's in fury. Yeah. <laughs> I reckon we need to know more about the premise of this. Have you got yes. any um, synopsis written down or something? No, I don't. Should we jump onto IMDb real quick? I think quick? we should. We've forgotten the rules of. Um... Yeah, it would be great, though. It would be great if the maestro read the, the synopsis no. sometimes. 
Not this not, time? Not, uh, I don't know. Another time. I think he's got a scratchy throat, so, Maestro. Yeah. It's just one line. Is it? Oh, is it? Well, yeah. okay. I can read it. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Don't change camera. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, a lonely scholar on a trip to Istanbul discover a djinn. 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 A djinn. Who offered her three wishes in exchange for his freedom. For his three wow. freedom. Okay, so classic genie in a bottle story. Yeah. So that was on the surface. So that was the Aladdin um, synopsis. Could you read the three thousand years? Yeah, that's three thousand years of longing. Okay, and so you cannot think about this film without thinking of Aladdin, obviously, because mm. it's. You know, this is the myth that we're talking about. Totally different from Disney's Aladdin, isn't it? Well, where did the fact that everyone knows the rules of the three wishes come yeah. from? So did yeah. that come from Aladdin or is that just... And the, the, the horror take on it, the monkey paw ah, yeah. variety as well. But, yeah, I, you know, Disney's Aladdin was such a big film you know if you if you'd missed it elsewhere you you got it from Aladdin i think yeah so anyway well i, I guess this starts off by she just does she, does she she arrives in her house and t tell me how it starts uh she's giving a speech on a stage and she starts having visions of people mm. well, that seem to be haunting her um and then she goes home and pulls out the old bottle no that's right she's she's at a uh, conference yes and she releases it there um, and Idris Elba, the, 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 the gin appears in her hotel room, very large and naked and, uh, and off it goes from there. And then the whole story takes, um, place in a bunch of flashback storytelling yeah. sequences from the gin explaining, um, why you shouldn't, shouldn't ask for which wishes in a certain way and then more and more of his own backstory which ties in beautifully with her own backstory i think yeah it does however look i'm going to go straight into what i don't like even though yeah please i do. like the film yep Lucky. on a on a on a whole you were you were for it on a whole i was luke no not not luke warmly for, warmly <laughs> luke warm. i was warmly for it okay i wasn't it wasn't, you hot weren't hot for, for it. it. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I liked it. Mm -hmm. However, I struggle with these films like the anthology type. I'm yeah. not sure if you'd class this as an anthology film as such. But I struggle when you, you deviate from the main narrative like that. Mm. I yeah. found the, 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 the storyline I was interested in was the one with Tilda and Idris and, you know, what, how they carried on together and evolved. When it goes into these other stories, even if they're quite nice in themselves, yeah, I just don't want to be taken out and then come back in all the time. That that mm. breaks the spell for me. Interesting, because it is a style. It's a choice. Mm. It's a type of storytelling that uh, you see. Well, often enough that I've got a, a bunch of reminds me ofs for it. It's definitely a style. I don't mind it. I actually quite like it if done well. Personally, I thought it was done fairly well here. Um, it I'm was not, done well. Yeah. I agree. I, I just don't think it's my It's just a style choice you don't thing. go for as yeah. such. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I can understand that. But for you me, go. You go. What was? What did you love? Well, 
the things that I loved the most about it were the unexpected nature of most of the stories and just the really rich, beautiful world building that was going on within each of them. Yeah. And of course, George Miller, who knows how to put on a visual spectacle, is delivering that in spades with each of these little, you know, flashbacks. And a lot of money has been thrown at it. You can tell. Mm. Interestingly, a lot of money thrown at a film that just still in some way doesn't feel very commercial, which is rare to see these days. And the money is a bit hidden because you've got all that money thrown at these little vignettes, mm. but the actual film, right. if you want to call it that, takes place in the hotel room right. with, I think that was during um, lockdown yeah. actually where they filmed that. <laughs> Makes sense. That part. So therefore it looks almost low budget or, mm. you know, not not no bells and whistles. And the other bits feel like dream sequences and therefore you almost don't credit the film for being theatrical and big budget. It's interesting to think a little bit about what the what the more Hollywood version of this would be. And you're right, setting it in a hotel room mm. takes you in a different direction from that. Having Tilda Swinton be the the hero takes you in a different direction because, you know, mm. I think if you were going more commercial, you would choose a younger actress, more of a starlet that would yeah. probably leave the hotel room and go on these adventures in some way yeah. with the gin. And instead, it's very contained. You've got Tilda Swinton and, uh, you know, maybe an unusual f- pairing of Tilda and Idris. That's not something you would expect. No. But it's great. And they have great chemistry. But there's, so, there's not much for the kids to cling on to and relate no, to, though, is there? No, there isn't. And no. they're the ones that, you know, I guess they're wanting to sell tickets with the marketing and everything. And Right. And they're not, they may, may buy Tilda Swinton as uh, Dr. Strange's mate mm-hmm. um, or whatever else she's, she's done, but perhaps not as the leading <laughs> lady, even though she's great. Right. I, I really did enjoy her. Yeah. Even though she's very Tilda. Yeah. What did you think about the variety of backstories that were presented? Look, and this is my problem, that I don't find them very memorable. Like mm. I remember being taken off with them at the time a little and there were there were some funny moments. I think there was good bits of humour like that, the naked, um, oh, large, yeah. Um, yeah. naked women. There was that one king or prince that was right into big women. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. That was a funny segment. Yeah, I'm actually no jokes really, was it? It was just the um, sight gag. It was sort of the absurdity of it. Yeah. But great. It was great. Yeah, j- just none of them really stuck with me because, mm. I don't know, maybe it's because I saw bloody 20 films and it was just one of them. And then it, when you, you've seen 20 films, 20 mm. stories, then you get one film that has another five in it or whatever it has, that's a lot to take in. You, and maybe <laughs> maybe that's maybe the context of how I saw, yeah. saw it at MIFF. Might have um, in a tied festival me out. filled with stories. Did you see any shorts while you were there? No, no. So no. you were still. So there were still all features. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, there's nothing like a shorts block to uh, to mess you up in terms of you know ten different stories happening all within ninety minutes or something. Which ones? Re- which ones kind of got you? You know, as much as I liked all of the stuff from his past, mm. I think this. I think what the best storyline, the most interesting storyline, was was his and Tilda's. Yeah, you know, I was longing to get back to the hotel room and see what was going to happen next as yes. much as anything because yes, that, that's the too. A story, right? Yeah. Yeah. We eventually got back there and stayed there yeah. for, for, for a journey, didn't we, at the end? Yep. And that's when I started to commit a little bit. 
Yeah, and I think there's a lot in this film. Like, uh, So one of the reasons why I really want to see this again is I feel like there's a lot in it that I've probably missed. Mm. It feels like a film that's full, that's quite full. Probably a lot of symbolism, probably a lot of imagery that just went right over my head. Yeah, And so it, it deserves a second viewing for that alone. And also because it's the sort of film I think I'd like to see at home rather than in a really packed cinema. In what, this what where you can see it in maybe like four or five stages, just 30 minute Yeah, <laughs> even just have a drink and sit back in the couch yeah, and yeah. just sort of absorb it, you know? Yeah, true. well, look, maybe that's another homework episode. Maybe, maybe we'll, down, we'll down the We'll come back track. to this film. One of the things we you that you've just brought up about not anthology but oh. stories within stories within stories, flashbacks, flash forward type storytelling, it, it does remind me of a show that I'm watching on TV right now called The Midnight Club, which is Mike Flanagan's latest. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I think I saw that advertised. That I've got to get a piece of that. Yeah, it's it's not. Oh, it's you're not, not selling it. Yeah, well, no, I'm just going to say it's not um, as good as The Haunting of Hill House, but then nothing mm. else has been uh, since he did that. And The Haunting of Bly Manor was a step down as well. It from was. Memory. Yeah. yeah. I, I enjoyed Midnight Mass, but I also think it wasn't as good. And yeah. this one I also think is not as good. But what it does have in it is a, a group of characters that every night meet at midnight and tell each other a story. And the stories are always a ghost story or yeah. a horror story of some sort, but they always include elements of their past. Mm. So you've got mythology and their own past kind of blending together and creating more meaning that way. It's a the old kind of framing device mm. is an oft-used thing. And like I mentioned Bly, Bly Manor, which was based on Turn of the Screw, which I've mentioned a few times, and that's got framing devices in it where, yeah. you know, it's a story within a story. And I'm reading Frankenstein at the moment. Really? Which is um, wow. also narrative within narrative, uh, which is sort of cool. It, it, it makes it feel a bit magical when you get to the, the real story within the story. Wow. So do you have any reminds me ofs for this? Shall we move on to that? I think we should. Kind of started it. That wasn't on my list, but you know, it popped into my head as as you were describing this type of storytelling. Well, I'm just going to throw one out without talking too much about it because it relates right. to that type of anthology stuff. French Dispatch, which I saw recently, Wes Anderson. Yep. Also st starring Tilda, who is again very Tilda. Mhm. Mm uh and that's just beautifully shot. Looks just Have you seen it? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Just oh, sumptuous, the, the colours and it, like it's just an amazing work of art. Yes. And yet. And yet, you, you, please don't don't let me interrupt you. And yet because of these whole lot of stories side right. by side, I couldn't get into it. I could appreciate it as wonderful Yep. but I couldn't get into it in an emotional Isn't that level. funny? See, in that case, I agree with you entirely. I found that film really hard to enjoy and mm. get into. Um, I know some people love it and I think – it was the relentless shifting from one story to the next that mm. did it for me. It made it really hard for me to connect. Yeah. And yet this film, I didn't find that, that same issue. Well, in fairness, this film, 3,000 Years, has a stronger central I agree. through line. Yeah, yeah. So it, that really, like I said before, it does eventually kind of pay off and you do start to invest and get, you know, get some real <laughs> runs on the board with their relationship. Absolutely. I think that... A story of Tilda and Idris carries you through. 
because it is such a strong story. You go. Okay, so uh, I had one that I could not stop thinking about the entire time I was watching this. Mm. Wow, it is Dramatic so thunder. stormy. Yes, so... <laughs> that was so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Interview with a vampire. Okay, keep talking. I like okay, it. Okay, so we've got a mythical creature. Yeah. In this case, a vampire and, and instead of a djinn. We have a storyteller, in this case a reporter instead of a professor mm. of storytelling or whatever she was, uh, and you have a series of stories being told by the mythical creature to the storyteller <laughs> about past, about their past, and that same format of returning back to the two characters in a room having a chat, flashing back to the story from the past, just the format. Couldn't, couldn't escape it, plus the, the whole, basically we have a mythical creature here telling a story of their past. I think you can drop the mic right there. I think that's, that's it. Yep. Yeah. Nice one. Okay, let's, uh, let's call let's it. Let's wrap Maestro. it up. <laughs> yeah, we're done. No. <laughs> what else you got? Oh, well, no, actually, no, I think I can beat that. Okay, good. Good. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say, and I don't know if this is a cop-out because it's a George Miller film. You've already made reference to it, mm. but it is Witches of Eastwick. Okay. You know, I can't remember this film, so tell me, please. Well, oh, tell you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there's these three women and they make a wish for a man to basically come and fulfil all their wishes. Right. Uh, I think Cher, who is one of them, it's it's um, Michelle Pfeiffer Whitegold. <laughs> who else? Uh, yeah, Cher and Susan Sarandon. Wow, that's great, great cast. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. And they're all great. And Jack Nicholson is, is the man. Is the man. Wow. That, okay. That gets plopped in. Beautiful. So they make the wish and then it comes true. And Cher actually wishes, and I wrote down, she wishes for a foreign prince living under a curse. Okay. And then he arrives and just sort of makes all their, their dreams come true. Why would you, why would you wish for a, someone who's living under a curse? I don't know. Okay. But, but All right. th- this is, don't ask too many questions. <laughs> so this is women yeah. and essentially a genie. Yeah. It's more a devil in Jack Nicholson's case, but still a wish fulfiller. Yep. Which is the same, exploring yeah. the same territory precisely. That's interesting. There's a, a theme he's interested in that's come back around. Yeah, and I don't get, I was trying to think, what does this say about the man? Mm. Um, does it say yeah. that he's really just sensitive and interested in what women want? Does it say he's obsessed with with women and what they want? Does it say he's just really good at conveying a female character? Because I think I think he did that well with Tilda Swinton, mm. kinda. Yeah, I'm a bloke. How would I know? Yep. Um, yep. True. But the um, the thanks for your support. No worries, uh, man. What do we know? What do we know? <laughs> Another similarity with them was that both films tend to meander a bit. Like there is. You know, you don't feel a, that you know exactly where it's yeah. going and it just sort of moves huh. shapelessly. I want to see it. Did you see it recently? Did you rewatch yes. it? Yes. No, no. I, I not rewatch it. I watched it first time. for the first time. Wow. Because I, I was surprised by it actually. I reckon I was at movie going age when it came out and always just dismissed it as some bubblegum nonsense. But I was impressed that it's more than that. Like it's, it really is quite an interesting film. No doubt with George Miller at the helm. That makes mm. sense to me. Wow. Okay. I um. I don't. I don't know why I'm so su- so surprised and impressed that you watched one of the one of his back catalogue ahead of this. <laughs> but that's great. I have one to throw your way. Mm. The Red Violin. Have okay, you seen you're gonna, that? You're going to have to explain that film. Okay. So the Red Violin follows a 
violin that was created, I'm going to say in France, I'm just, I'm just guessing where it was created, in Europe somewhere, uh, a long time ago, 1600s. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah. And the guy who creates it, the violin maker, uses his, his, uh, his dead wife's blood to color the lacquer that he paints on the outside of mm. it because he's just so distraught she's died and is and and in doing so kind of curses this violin and then you follow the violin through yeah. the ages as it passes through different people's hands and everybody who possesses the violin has horrible things happen to them oh and each one is a little vignette you know as you follow this thing it really reminded me of the the backstory of the gene mm. the the just the curse that keeps rolling around as everybody who comes in contact with him and mm. his wishes goes, it goes badly. Yeah, the sto- those stories about just inanimate objects mm. are cool. Yeah, I know. I'm sure I've done like writing exercises or something where where they say, okay, take a twenty dollar note or a boot and just tell the story of that as it goes through life and changes hands and that sort of thing. Totally, uh, which is an interesting device it's 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 a cool device i think i heard a little sound over there maestro have you seen the red violin no Um, no but i heard of it you have okay awesome it's a beautiful film recommended and hard to find it's another one that's a little that's just fallen off the radar it's a little hard to come across okay well um i think that's going on the homework episode list homework episode we need to be a bit more um a bit more honest with, um, <laughs> that's not is not the right word. But getting I, our homework done. Actually watching the homework list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. The red violin. <laughs> Thank you, Maestro. That's we're, we're, that means we're getting close to time. So what so what else have you got? Have you got another reminds me of for the list? Let's um let's wrap it up any second, but yeah. I've got a quick one. I've got a quick one too. So you go first. Awesome. I was reminded by a you know those those little records um that kids get the I think they called them long playing storybooks or something. There's a record. This is, again, showing my age. What are you talking about? Okay, explain it. (laughs) (laughs) You got a little record (laughs) and a book and the record, you'd play the record and it tells you the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this is probably a book in its own right. But I I know these are CDs with a book, but yeah. Yeah, no, that'd be right. Okay, great. Yep. But the originals were little records. And now it's MP3s or something. Yeah. Okay. And <laughs> now it's Spotify. So there's this this book, <laughs> uh, record book, called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon. Okay. And this little boy imagines maybe this dragon who just appears in his house and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and like fills the house and his mm. neck starts going out the windows and all this sort of stuff. There is no real narrative comparison between the two. But it's called that reminds me of, and the, <laughs> the image of Idris Elba hunched, oh, yeah. unable to fit in the house, as well as the the idea of the imaginary friend who exists completely to the person, mm. but then you know is invisible, perhaps, perhaps, yeah, to the rest of the world, to the two ladies, including uh, Mrs. Bishop next door. Yes. Did you get did no, you, no, no, Mrs. Bishop? I'm I'm not getting it still. Okay, 3,000 Years of Longing, there's the two uh, women yep. next door. One is from Neighbours. Really? Yes. Well, there you go. I yeah. would never have known that. Maybe Edith would have known that. Yeah, she maybe. She probably did. Anyway, there's no such thing as a dragon. Right. Look it up. Homework. Okay, good. That that moment, just quickly, did also remind me of Alice in Wonderland. Which, the, which moment? The 
the the giant Idris inside the house, you know, and having just come out of a little bottle. I, I mean, I know, I know that's nothing like Alice in mm. Wonderland, but there was just something about the image that was so striking and and reminded me of that in in a way. You know what? It's just all falling into place about yep. this film with me. Okay, that was great. Like. But that book with the dragon yeah. was a great memory for me. Yeah, I, cool. I, I loved that. And then all of a sudden you're at Idris Alba and not fitting in the room and I'm I'm looking ahead in the film and thinking, oh, there's so much that they can do here. It's this mm. huge thing. How are they going to, what can they play with? Yeah. And then to be taken out of it when I'm just getting excited. Right. I think that just disturbed me. So yeah. you, the, the A story that you yep. refer to was probably so good I was annoyed with the rest. Good. Okay, last one for me. Yes. The Storyteller series by Jim Henson. I don't oh, know if yes. I brought this up before. I, I think, think I, have. I have. But I was really I was really reminded of that simply because you've got that great setup of a strong storyteller going let me take you into the past into a myth into a story of mythology and then you're whisked off and mm. and you're in it. Um it's a it's been often done uh, many, many, many times, but I think the storyteller is one of the best of them. So, I'm not. I think I'm maybe half familiar, but not really familiar with it. But they are fully realised little stories, they though, are. aren't they? Yeah, they are. So that's yeah. that I is more I, of an anthology series. That's the Twilight Zone or yeah. Alfred Hitchcock presents. Yeah, exactly. Um, which I like. Which is yeah, you know, clearly a reference for this kind of storytelling. Mm. Absolutely. Are we done? I think we need to. I think we need to throw to the maestro just to ask about his experience of myth of myth. So because you know, he because he was there too. Yeah. So so while you just bailed, yes, on us. Yeah. Um, the maestro saw a couple of films I know that I saw and really enjoyed. So I would like to know what the top hits of myth were for the maestro. Yes, please. So first of all, to the organizer of myth, bravo. <laughs> Very awesome. good. Good Agree. List of title. Um, uh, like you, Alex, I wish I could see 20 movies, but mm. I barely saw three of them. So I start with The Crime of the Future, which is not my typical genre of movies. Mm. In fact, I really probably didn't appreciate much. Mm. This is Cronenberg's latest film. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, surprisingly, I saw people just laughing. And mm. some incredible, uh, silly situations. <laughs> uh, so I didn't even understand if actually it was the intention of Cronenberg to do that. Yeah. So it was a bit strange, but I, I think I want to watch that again. Um, second one was the Triangle of Sadness. Mm. Yeah. Urban Oslin's latest. Yes. Mm. Which is beautiful. Isn't it? Great acting. Uh, I do have a remind me of, but probably if we see this movie and we want to have an episode of this. I think we want to do this film. Yeah. I want to see it. Yeah, I also saw it. As you know, Sal, I rated it highly and I can think of a few reminds me of straight off the cuff. So I reckon we hold it. Okay. I reckon we hold it and wait and do it properly. And then I saw a docu film. Uh, shot in my hometown of Naples and said a bit of a really... It was hide and seek, yeah? Yeah, hide and seek. Um, And very well shot, interesting director, um, and 
I think she's Italian, but she lives in Brazil. Oh, okay. I don't remember her name, sorry. Um, but very well shot at the English DOP. And yeah, and was well, so well done. My wife came with me. She didn't know there was a docu film, and she actually thought that there was a movie. And mm. all the people featuring in that docu film was actually real people. And with harsh reality in some of the areas of Napoli, and very well done. Get select, great selection. Well done, guys. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. You know what? I I just tried to look up hide and seek in IMDb just to be awesome and like drop mm. in the uh, the director's name, but I've got every other hide and seek ever made showing up, and <laughs> not the correct one. It doesn't. It didn't have Robert De Niro and Dakota Fanning no. in it. No. Yeah. yeah. I, I can never look. <laughs> we'll find it. We'll find it. That that's a that's a good segue actually to what our next episode is going to be. Yes. And I think we can say with some confidence. Mm-hmm. That will it will be on the movie titled The Stranger. Correct. And I say it's a segue because something that annoys me a little bit is when people call movies the same bloody thing. Oh, as so a- hide and seek. Why would you call something hide and seek when there are several other hide and seeks? So many, yes. Why would you call something The Stranger when Albert Camus wrote The Stranger a million years ago and there's been several movies called The Stranger? There, there was another movie called The Stranger at MIFF. <laughs> Really? There were two The Strangers. Oh, no. That's rough. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we are going to talk about that film in the next episode. So let's just hold it. We'll, okay. You think, we'll get you think into I'm all of this soon. Wasting my material. You are. You're wasting it. Good okay. episode material. This is very podcast worthy material for the next episode. Excellent. <laughs> it's been good chatting. Um, Baron, I nearly forgot your name. Yeah. Um, beautiful. And the maestro. Hi, everyone. All right. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs>